listener production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, what a cracking conversation we're about to have. Last year at the Australian Association of National Advertisers Annual Reset Conference, Joe Horgan, founder of the renowned and raved about 100 store and e-commerce juggernaut Mecca Brands, was a keynote speaker who was literally opening her flagship retail store in Sydney's CBD on the day of her keynote address. And of course, it was smack in the thick of COVID. Brave or mad? Well, Joe says both. But Mecca has carved out an enviable reputation for being obsessed about customers. And during Joe's keynote, she dropped one line which was most intriguing. Like Elon Musk and Tesla, and that's my analogy, by the way, Mecca has never advertised. How's that for a curveball? And we might dig into that. Well, we will dig into that a little bit later. So it's with great anticipation we have Joe Horgan on the mics today to talk about Mecca's customer and growth strategy and how she has built an online and retail business all around the customer. And joining Joe Horgan is another Joe, just to confuse you, Joe Gaines, who is VP at Salesforce for Cloud, who's going to talk more broadly about what she's seen across sectors and how companies are adjusting their customer experience and focus thanks to COVID. So welcome to you both. This is going to be a ripper. First up, Joe Horgan. As I mentioned, when I last saw you, you were on stage uh, and opening a flagship store on the same day, Sydney CBD in the iconic Gowings building during COVID. What were you thinking and how's it gone so far? It was about November last year, I think. November 27th. You remember. (laughs) Uh, Well, I was thinking the juggler's real being on stage whilst thinking of the fact that the doors were opening um, with the team there and how excited they would be. And I just couldn't wait to get back. And we legged it from the stage straight back to the store and spent the rest of the day marvelling because the three or four days before opening a store, you watch as literally every last problem is solved. And that store had 200 points of innovation that had never been tried before poured into it. And we had no idea what would work and what wouldn't. So when you open the doors and you actually see customers and register their reactions and the interaction they have with the different elements on offer, I can tell you the joy then is real. It goes from being the juggler's reel to the joy is real. And I was just so thrilled to see something we have dreamed about for so, well, 23 years ago, Mecca was started with this idea of we want to be literally the Mecca, all roads leads to beauty in its most comprehensive form and standing at you know in front of Gowing, Mecca at Gowings, it felt like we had poured all of our dreams and wishes into one location. That was your biggest store, Joe, so far, was it? At 1,800 square meters, it is the biggest 
beauty store in the Southern Hemisphere. On that, I marvelled when I heard you talking about why am I doing this right now? Are we crazy? Are we not? We'll get to a little bit about around Mecca for those that don't know us. I'm not a massive Mecca customer for obvious reasons. Uh, maybe you'll tell me I should be, Joe. but my wife is, just saying. I was just about to launch in and say there is not a single obvious reason why you shouldn't be an avid Mecca customer. <laughs> and we feel like we have failed, that we have not yet brought you into the tent But don't worry, you're now on our radar and we'll tell you all the reasons why you should be a Mecca customer. Here comes my journey mapping, customer journey mapping experience. I look forward to it. Uh, So how's it gone? I mean, it was, was you know, you were playing the long game here, Joe, right? In the middle of COVID, there wasn't people in the city or way less people. So you were clearly thinking about down the track, not now. But what what has happened since with with that big store? And then we'll get to the broader business. So we thought we were playing the long game in that... We felt that at a time when CBD traffic was down by 50% and when so much custom had moved online, that we would step gently, gently into this experience. But again, what Mecca Gowings has proved to us is you should never underestimate a customer's appetite for a new, all-enveloping, exciting, personalised experience that gives them what they want and how they will travel for that. Because what has happened since we opened is that all the services that we have, from the lower ground floor right through to the top floor, there are beauty services on every level. And they are full 80% of the time which we did not anticipate in the middle of COVID. You know, let's not forget that there was a two-week shutdown in Sydney in the middle of all of that. So that's been extraordinary. So what has happened, again, if you put your faith in customers and you truly give them what you think they will love, that it just proved again that they have rewarded us, they have marched with their feet, they have voted with their feet, and they have come in and they have embraced it in a way we absolutely did not imagine in the middle of COVID. So let's let's pretend uh, we weren't in COVID. What were your expectations for custom, for traffic, for footfall and so forth if you were doing this in a non-COVID crazy time uh, and versus what you're seeing now? Is the volumes and the people and the custom, is it 20% less than what you thought, 30%? Is it exactly where you, you, you kind of forecast? How do we get a sense of, of how different it is through a COVID launching a store like this? These are very pithy questions for someone who has a private company and never discusses anything like this. But that said, what I will tell you. (laughs) Obviously, when you're taking on something so momentous, you do a plan of what you hope will be the feasibility for you to open it in the first place. With COVID, we had to slash that by 50%. At the moment, customers have demonstrated through footflow and through conversion and through their enthusiasm that we are on track to achieve what we dreamed we could achieve before we even knew COVID was on the horizon. So that's the extraordinary measure for us that it's almost as if this has been cocooned from COVID so far. So I just want to be clear though, so you've, you you thought 50%, but you've exceeded 50%. When you, In your COVID uh, estimates, you were 50% off what you'd normally do in a normal year, but you're above that. Did I hear that right? I wouldn't want to put words in your mouth, Joe. I actually gave you more than that, Paul. I actually <laughs> said 
that it was 100% of what we thought it would be pre-COVID. So I think it's around 1997, you're with L'Oreal, you decided to do something really different and go out on your own with a store in Melbourne, a a beauty store, a cosmetic store. Um, And talk us through the customer ethos from the get-go, because this is where we're going to end up in in the broader conversation. But that customer ethos was sort of massively laser-focused for you from the get-go, correct? I came from beauty. I came from large beauty companies and I watched a world where both the manufacturers and the retailers were run by men imagining a woman's journey or woman's shopping experience because at that time, 95% of consumers were women in this space. I felt that it was a experience run on numbers rather than the customer. And so I tried to reimagine it so that the customer felt from the minute they stepped through the door that they were in control and that they were empowered to have the experience that beauty always should have been. A mix of educating and entertaining. So we've coined a word, edutainment in Mecca. So the idea was all of the product was on display. You could access it all yourself. And then two, that there would be a super friendly, best beauty friend who would come up to you and demystify beauty and take you from novice to expert, whether you had five minutes on a specific subject or three hours and you wanted to know everything. As I roll out of bed every day, and from the beginning, my entire goal has been how can we make people look and more importantly, feel their best and beauty is a fantastic platform to be able to do that from in terms of the personalization you talk about when you started 1997 there was very little technology to allow you to personalize so i guess it was about your people your people understanding your customers and personalizing that way but i'm just interested in in personalization today joe people versus technology what's the mix now there and how does that facilitate um, this customer experience that you're talking about any thoughts you're right paul in that people the mecca hosts have been the beating heart of Mecca since the outset. In my mind, I'm quite simplistic in the way I approach things, and I'm very clear that our people will continue to provide the unique Mecca experience. Technology for me is all about how do we magnify that human connection, and that is everything from... If you buy digitally, for example, that we put our team members in the center of that experience so that you can click a button at any moment and come through to a team member who can literally sit there and assist you through the sale. So that's one piece. And then Secondly, obviously, Salesforce, who are now um, really trying to reimagine the future of beauty, the good news is that Joe Gaines and lots of people rule around around the table. They're avid Mecca fans. They understand the in-store experience. And we're dreaming up how we can use technology to give customers a sense of that personalized or customized experience that they would receive in a store, how can we use technology to make customers feel that they are experiencing that same thing through technology? So 
I want in five years' time people to be talking about Mecca's people, Mecca's people being its moat. And I want technology to have made that a totally snag-free experience that just exemplifies that feeling of warmth and connection they have. I'll give you another example, you know, whether we segment customer groups by their area of um, interest, for example, and uh, again, Salesforce can work with us as we dream that, and then how we can connect those customers together so that they have a common bond that they feel Mecca has found a way to connect them to talk about their view on beauty, for example. There's just 10 million ways yeah. to put the customer first, and they don't even realise that technology has brought beauty alive for them. Some great stuff, and I will, I will come back to, uh, and sort of get a little bit more detail on that. But before we do that, I've got a couple of standout questions which I'm intrigued by. You were Daniel in the Lions Den last year in that, um, you know, on, at, at the AANA conference, you got up and said, apart from it, you love customers, you're obsessed by customers, and you didn't advertise. And it was a, it was a great forum to say that. And so I, I, because it was a bunch, it was full of, full of advertising people and marketing people. So um, I'm just intrigued. You, what is it about uh, you don't advertise? Why? Why have you never needed to? Or have you done a little bit here and there? Okay, it's very funny. My brother who runs, uh, Peter Hogan, yes. who runs OMG, was said to me afterwards, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, sister? <laughs> I was really hoping that you were going to say, and now that you have an incredible agency, yeah, this is all changing. <laughs> so, so I'm not sure I did the right thing at that um, conference. But anyway, the reason that we didn't advertise at the beginning, I think, came back to our sense of we have to build this customer connection in a truly authentic, personal, and I keep on coming back to the beating heart of beauty way where there is literally human to human contact on the one hand. So the only way we felt that we could do that was through these in-store communications. And the flip side of that was I actually had no money because it meant that every single customer experience had to be extraordinary so that that old stat of you know what is it i can't even remember now but one in a hundred people talks about a great experience and one yes. in ten people talk about a rubbish experience and we needed to make you know we need to make those numbers work for us so that is why we didn't advertise at the, be at the beginning we didn't have the money and we didn't feel that that scattergun approach of that traditional advertising back in the day would work for us in the same way as building customer rapport, brick by brick, customer by customer would. So that was then. Now, you know, 23 years later, we do as we you know, enter the digital world and you can personalize much more and you can make sure that the message is really relevant to a specific customer. With that lens, we feel that we can enter this space in a way that makes sense. So for example, Mecca does, I think, and yes, Claire, I am biased, the most exquisite holiday packaging. So you know, come November, December every year, we do extraordinary holiday packaging. And we feel that there are people out there that don't know that we 
connect with an NGV, with the NGV, and we find a a female emerging artist. She does this incredible, exquisite artwork that we put all over our packaging, and that these look spectacular as gifts over that period. And we feel it's our duty to share that message with more people. And that's what we are now gently dipping our toe into the water. Yes, I can detect it certainly gently. And um, w- when does it start? So have you have you done a little bit? And is it sort of like let's prove this thing before we get too carried away with ourselves? And and, and where are you on on that t- on that scale on that timeline? Well, we are now OMG's most complicated, most demanding <laughs> and tiniest client. And, <laughs> and so they are helping us with this tap dance as we work out what works and what doesn't and what feels mecca. Well, I'm fascinated because I think that's a great case study from someone who's hasn't needed it, that is trying it, and let's see what happens. So I, I'm, I'm just putting my hand up and go, uh, first, scout's honour from you, Joe. You'll talk to me again in a follow-up. And persistent, Paul. Painful is what many say. Let's move on from the advertising bit because I, I think, you know, that's another conversation we, we can have a bit later. This, If we get to what happened to your business uh, last year and what changed with customer behaviour through 2020 and through COVID, what the hell happened and what, what, what did customers do differently? I think customers showed all of us that they are incredibly adaptable Within 48 hours, we actually activated bookings for online consultations. Again, what's fascinating is how quickly our customers found the ability to book on our website for these sessions. And we also found that our customers, they wanted to delve even further into beauty you know, we had live sessions with founders from around the world and customers flocked to those sessions. Right. Then another thing we found out is we created we created Mecca Live. I could go into lots of detail, I won't. I'm trying to give you the highlights. Customers wanted connectivity or community and so we launched the Mecca Chit Chat group on Facebook and literally 30,000 people came together and we now listen to everything they're saying and just extraordinary the different approaches to beauty but what was interesting is that the minute we reopened our stores our customers flocked back through the doors obviously very safely and they waited in line until they could get in and all of those things and they were very accommodating to the fact that we were taking temperatures and we were you know all of those things but and they said you know we just love coming into store so much thank goodness you're open and so again our takeout from that was if you give customers an experience that's worth traveling for or that was worth coming out for they will do so and i think that the return rate into mecca has been totally disproportionate to retail in general and beauty in general because i think we're so much of a service driven environment fast forward a year literally One, we know that customers will adapt with us. Two, we know that they will take more and more information online. They'll connect with each other online. They'll connect with us online. And they will do their shopping online very happily. And three, that if you give them an experience that's worth walking for or driving for, they will come into store because they want human connection. Some other retail groups I talked to would say that, you know, their their e-commerce sales, their online sales have gone through the roof, but it doesn't replace 
the bricks and mortar that they had. And so there's this big challenge. Yeah, we can also, if you can't grow your business in COVID 700%, as one retailer said, you've got a problem because there's no other options. So, but the issue was what happens to the store formats and the store mix. For you, what happened there in terms of the shift to online? Did you say, were you net net? I know you're a private company, Joe, so I won't ask for numbers just, just to steer. In terms of the move to online, back to retail, how does it net out in a year's time, like now, uh, a year and a year's time from that? Do you see a permanent shift in the mix? of online to retail or has it come back? What happens? I think it's really interesting. A year later, maybe we are the last retailer standing who's very bullish about bricks and mortar. But I think we have the benefit of Meccaret Gowings, our flagship store opening during COVID, which has just so resoundingly shown how enthusiastic customers are for experiences. And it's given us the confidence to continue opening retail stores and dedicating now 35% of the space, of the floor space to actual services, which is not the transaction of shopping. It's the, again, back to the beating heart and the human touch of um, team members. Where we are a year later is We will continue to open retail stores. We will continue to back um, bricks and mortar. But at the same time, the entire world has supersonically moved forward five years digitally in the space of a year. And not only will we not be left behind, but we are determined to get ahead of the curve on that and to make sure that we lead the way in how you bring that human beating heart to a trend you know what's inherently a transactional experience we we'd never want to be transactional but as our customers move online how do we stay ahead and give them a totally unique experience in that arena and can you give us a little clue about what that how you do that because that's you know, everyone's trying for that, but that's a really difficult thing to do virtually. I get it in a store, but how do you, the beating heart and doing, replicating what you have in, 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 in retail in an online environment, you're reinventing the wheel. <laughs> well, you know, we've got lots of people to help us. You know, Salesforce has been given the job to make sure that we are so incredibly good at it that we are, you know, at Dreams Dreamforce in three years' time on stage talking about how we reinvented um, beauty in this new world. And Joe Gaines hopes it's in two years' time. And no pressure there, Joe Gaines, but we'll we'll come back to you and the pressure in a sec. So, yes, so we will do it together, which is going to be fabulous. Again, and I like to keep things, as I've said, pretty simple, and I think that the early experience of COVID has shown us that if we literally put a human being into the centre of a digital experience, our customers will respond so much better than if it's just a website. But it still sounds like you want to make the store the hero, Joe. It's not the store, it's the person in the store. Right. The Mecca host will be the hero and they will have the backdrop of the store behind them so that they can provide you the full beauty experience and that is how you bring beauty to life they're in the store doing it got it uh, really interesting and i think that uh, you know there's another three hours of conversation there but you are looking so you at the moment the brief is let's reinvent but you don't your your brief is not as specific as we know what we want to do yet 
No, because that's only one piece of it, because then the next piece is, and again, this is where Salesforce has got to come in with all of these incredible things that they need to be doing. Because the other thing is that once you've had that first experience with Amy, for example, who helps you, then you know you want to know that there's a little thing that comes up on your phone that tells you a month later that Amy's back in store. And if you just click this button, because you want to talk to her, because you want to check about what you already bought and did it work? And do you want to share that information with Amy? Or Amy's basically got three more things that she can talk to you about today if you're interested right through to the fact, oh my goodness, you know, you ticked two weeks ago on the survey that you suddenly have rosacea, how terrible we're on hand to help you. And you can either have Amy or the rosacea expert or the community group who talks about rosacea on you know, the Mecca platform. Do you want to plug into that group and find out everything they're talking about, whether it's from diet to books to beauty? It just goes on and on and on. Two things. I need to talk to Amy by the sounds of it and see because I think she can probably help me. And secondly, Amy's customers, what do you think they will do in terms of their mix between online and coming into the store to see Amy? So does it change in terms of how much they want to come into bricks and mortar? I'm assuming you say many of them will still do that, but does the frequency change? And how does that mix between virtual and digital and and bricks and mortar, how do you see that playing out? I think this is all of the exciting road ahead of us. We call it logical incrementalism in Mecca. And so we will literally, we will try and we will see and we will try and we will see. We will celebrate if they come into store more, we will celebrate if they're online more. I think in line with the rest of the world, once you have a customer who's both online and offline, they are by definition a much more loyal customer. And I don't know whether it's you know, four times more or 11 times more valuable, but somewhere between those two yeah. um, boundaries, uh, if you can have them in ev- on, on both platforms, they are much more connected to you as a as a brand and that's what we want. Joe Horgan, I'm going to give you a break for a minute and go to Joe Gaines and there's no pressure here, Joe Gaines, but it does sound like you've got a big brief to reinvent the cosmetics and beauty and retail category. Can a, you know, if you think about where do you start with that, you know, there's everything from sort of is the infrastructure right, where's the culture at, where are the people at, where the skill sets at, there's all that stuff. But before we even get there, you know, Salesforce is a huge software as a service company and I mentioned it earlier with lots of different parts to the beast. Can someone like Mecca with this really point of difference in customer experience can the technology facilitate whatever Mecca wants to be, even if it's really different? Or is it going to be a formulaic, templated uh, piece of uh, kit that rolls out like every other company? Um, well, it's interesting you talk about creativity because I was actually in another one of our senior briefings, so um, similar format to what we did with Mecca early on. And uh, the CEO of that organisation said, I have never seen a technology company be so creative and we are having to to move more into that space to be creative to deliver the art of the possible you know what dreams are made of for for customers and when joe saw that what we delivered in the art of the possible she clapped and she linked in in a virtual way you know on a screen and said that's what i want how do i do that so yes, what we're, what we're delivering is what we showed her, but of course there's ebbs and flows and the world will change and people are planning, you know, three to six months ahead, not three to six years ahead. So we will need to change the narrative and change the scope and change the brief. Is that a change to how you have gone to market historically? At Salesforce? Well, I, I do think pre-COVID, people did tend to think 
in terms of, you know, three to five year projections and here's where we want to be, you know, in five years time. Now people are saying, well, we know where we want to be by the end of this year, but we're not really sure by the end of next year. And and actually where we're at by the end of this year might change as well in three months time. So we're having to move with that. And I think we've shown that we can. You know what we did with releasing work.com and Salesforce Anywhere and, you know, how we're actually helping to um, deliver the vaccines now. Like we we have changed and ebbed and flowed as an organisation. What, what we were 12, 18 months ago is very different to what we are now. And what we're building is based on what we're seeing in the marketplace and the demand that we're seeing from clients like Mecca. So we're, we're building what they want and that's based on how the world's changing. What's the first steps from your perspective from a technology and customer software company? What do you, where do you start? So Paul, 84% of customers in our state of connected consumer and state of marketing report. I have heard of it. 84% of customers say that that personalized experience is equally as important, if not more important, than the products and services they sell. So it's all about experience, right? And that grows every year. Every year we do these surveys, that that stat grows. I think it was 80% in 2018, it's now 84. It continues to grow and become more important. So um, so, so let, let me sort of go back to the start with Mecca what was what was important first up is as joe said earlier on that we understand each other and we understand where we're trying to go and what it looks like today and what those aspirations are and how do we match operations to aspirations if you know what i mean i get it so firstly and i i don't want to put words in joe's mouth but i am ready to have a moment to talk um she can correct me if I'm wrong. And Paul, I know you talk about this a lot. They wanted a partnership. Joe didn't want to buy technology. She wanted to work with someone that understood and was playing the long game and was prepared to walk in their shoes, walk with them and learn with them. First up, she she needed to feel that, right? And that is true of most customers today. They want, a, they want a partnership. They want the long game. They want you to, to feel their pain. They want you right beside them. So, so that's there. Understand where we are today and then tell us the art of the possible. And I think that that was one point where we, you know, the, the relationship started to make more sense to Joe and the team was where we actually showed them the art of the possible. But now it's up to us to take those steps with them to get there. Mecca were already, a, a, you know, a bit of a Salesforce customer. Now they're a lot of a Salesforce customer and we can connect things together. And Paul, we've been talking about this for so long, this idea that you've got a profile for a customer, but then you need to be able to add all the bits to it. You know, what have they bought from us? Do they have a service ticket? Are they happy, unhappy? You know, how often do they purchase foundation and then what other things go with it and how often do they come in store? How often do they, you know, go online and and where do they deliver to and, and, and what are their preferences around that as well? Like all of those things make up a really important picture and then how do we market to them? How do we advertise to them? You know, how often do we want to 
do we communicate with them? What type of communication, depending on their level of expectation, happiness, frustration, whatever. I'm sure there's no frustrated Mecca customers. So that's what we're building. That's the basis. That's the core of where you're going. But when Jo says she wants to reinvent beauty, does does it mean Salesforce has got to come off the shelf with its stock standard products? Do you curate? Are you crafting things that are different to Mecca than elsewhere? Or is it just about the strategy of, of, of the different uh, sort of offers you have and bringing them together and, and executing and operationalizing well? Of course. This is, I, I mean, the, the whole thing is how do we create and curate something that's unique for Mecca. I know Jo wants to be first and she wants to be an innovator and wants to be on stage Dreamforce. That's what we that's what we want for her too. But again, it's about knowing what does that actually mean to Jo? And that's going to mean something different to Jo than it is to whatever other retailer we're dealing with. There's not one size fits all. And that's why we do have this kind of product knowledge overlaid with with vertical or industry knowledge in our support. So, Joe, can I just ask very quickly, when Joe Gaines talks about how, you know, that technology platform will enable a whole lot more things about understanding, talking to customers, being relevant and so forth, um, you're doing that really well now and you're doing that probably just because of culture and your people, uh, that the technology sophistication is perhaps not what it's going to be in, in 12 months or two years' time. So what's the, what, what do you, how do you see the, the, the kicker for that? What's the, the, the big increase at what it's going to deliver for your business? Do you know what? That's so funny. I think that we are nowhere on that journey um, of how do we use technology really brilliantly to help our team members connect so much more powerfully and effectively with our customers. I think that Mecca, again, I have a saying is that, you know, human can can do trumps all else at Mecca. And so for me, it's like, how can we take that idea and then underpin that with the genius of both, yes, the off the shelf elements that Salesforce already has and how we can create those into stacks that make sense for Mecca. But you're right, that's not enough. From there, it will be, right, how do we come up with something completely different? And right back in the day, at the very beginning of time, every team member used to have to write down when a customer came in, not how much they sold to the customer, nothing to do with that. All I cared about was, What was the purpose that they came in for? Was it because they were going on holiday? Was it because they were looking tired? Was it because they wanted a new red lipstick? Just why beyond and beyond that? Why did they want a red lipstick? Where were they going on holiday? And they had to literally go three steps. And it's peeling back those layers so that you can actually get to the true purpose and thinking and kernel of truth of each customer that makes it a worthwhile and memorable experience for that customer. So my question is, how do you use technology to accelerate that process to get there? Right, and it sounds to me like there's a lot of low-hanging fruit uh, there if Joe Gaines and Mark Benioff and Salesforce are right about what how technology can deliver. So it's going to be a fascinating case study there. Now, Joe, we have, Joe Gaines, we have talked a lot about Mecca. I did want to ask you, and we're going to wrap this up soon because Joe Horgan's got an empire to, to, to build further. Apart from Mecca, we've heard 
the Mecca story, what is going on across other sectors? What are, what are companies doing about customer, customer experience? Exactly what we're hearing Joe Horgan talk about. Uh, a lot of CEOs, by the way, talk Joe Horgan's story. I don't think they probably live it like she does, but there's a lot of talk around customer first and customer focus. But what are you seeing across other sectors and other companies in the last 12 months and what's happening with their uh, experience and strategy around customer? Yeah, well, it, like I said before, it's about matching the operation to the aspiration. And I think that a lot of CEOs have big aspirations now and a lot of and a lot of what we're hearing and what we're seeing, you know, through activity in the market and RFPs and all that stuff that's happening now is these digital transformations have been brought forward. And Joe mentioned this before, you know, they were sort of off into the future a little bit, or they're a sideline project. Now they are front and centre. They're part of, you know, what the board and the leadership team are talking about. And they're a known and supported investment area. But a lot of companies, whether it's in retail or in other other categories, financial services um, and, you know, various big enterprise, commercial and and growth, you know, SMB organisations, um, it's this, this, you know, physical versus digital. What is the role of physical? What is the role of digital? How do they intersect? Um, a lot more interest, of course, in, in marketing automation and, and AI. And how do we match the data and the science together with more emotional intelligence too? But we're certainly seeing what, you know, last year was a little bit of a cautious year. This year it feels like we're coming out of the gates flying. Right. So there's going to be a lot of action. You think when you talk about RFPs, there's a lot of companies reassessing or how they can step up their efforts. Is that what's going on? Absolutely. So Joe, just in terms of work from home, how are you managing that with your people? And also as we expect that even if people are coming back three days a week, there's a hybrid model of sometime in the office, sometime not. Does it affect foot traffic and CBD areas? And what does that mean in terms of maybe for you and your business? Do you go suburbs more rather than CBD? Just a really quick flash thought on those two. We're spending a lot of time thinking through this because, and again, maybe we're the crazy people out there. We're actually taking on more support center space rather than reducing it back. I'm a huge believer that, again, back to the purpose, you know, making people look, feel, and more importantly, be their best. And I think everyone pulling in one direction. And I think that, you know, communication is key. So obviously, as we've moved into this um, different ways of working model, we've spent a huge amount of time thinking about how do we communicate with the team. And we've done that virtually where we haven't been able to do it in person, whether that's through Mecca TV every um, you know, week or you know, month with the store teams. And then every week, the Monday midday meeting, which we, uh, you know, I um, talk to the team every week on a Monday. And all of the different ways in which we've looked at that communication. And, and that's been great as a, you know, technology has been a fantastic support during COVID. I'm a huge believer that having people together builds not only culture, but I'm also a believer that people learn through observation, people learn through, uh, you know, being part of, um, you know, by osmosis, people learn yes. by osmosis. And so having everyone together, I actually think 
is fantastic. So for us, it's like, how do we create an environment that people are really going to want to be in? Whether that's bigger yoga rooms and whether it's sleep pods and whether it's, you know, sort of libraries where you can create this sense of collegiate environment. And I've sort of said, you know, how do you make it feel a bit more like a uni space? So for us, that's the way we're going to look at this so that we can try and build on the human connection that we think is so critical. Understanding, of course, that yes, the world has changed and there will be an element of flexibility and people want to be able to do deep thinking from home. So that was a very long answer to your first part of the question. Are you okay? Are you okay with a hybrid sort of a three-day? Do you what is it? I mean, do you have anything sort of that says here's a baseline uh, of how I think you know that culture can can work together in, in the physical presence? You know, I think this year is going to be another sort of washing machine year in a different way. So let's just roll with that and see, and we'll learn. I think so much more as we go. And then on the second part of the question, there's no question that the CBD traffic is down by fifty percent. I think what Gowings has shown us is if we can find a way to totally engage our customer in a totally absorbing experience, that they will make the pilgrimage to that. They will make the trek. So I think there is a future within the CBDs for um, stores. I just think you have to reimagine what they will be. And then secondly, yes, we're absolutely seeing that people are um, uh, re-engaged at a neighborhood level in a way that is sort of, I don't know, maybe 50 years ago, high street, community driven. And there's something very lovely about that. And so I, I, I hope that we will keep some of what we have relearned during COVID. Um, but again, who knows where that will go. And so nothing pressing now about the redistribution of your store portfolio, then that's not that's not where you're at at the moment. Again, we're taking all of the different learning points. I think we're one of the very few people who were mad enough and therefore lucky enough to have insights that come from opening an enormous biggest in the Southern Hemisphere (laughs) flagship in a CBD. So we're lucky enough to be able to use those insights. We are also getting insights from the high street and we will use those as we continue to roll out bricks and mortar. As I said, we will. We're keeping on trucking. Well, it's a fascinating conversation. Joe Gaines, Salesforce, uh, Joe Horgan from Mecca. Great conversation. Good to talk. And this absolutely begs a follow-up. So bad luck. I'm going to be on both your cases uh, in the coming maybe six months once you've got something going on to how, how it's going. But thanks for joining Joe and Joe. Stay safe. Thank you so much, Paul. Lovely talking to you. And Joe Gaines, do you know what? It's so great having the chance to talk with you so that we can sit there and dream up what this is going to be together. So thank you very much for that. Take care. Absolutely. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's moi. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Listener.